What's up, Stalemates? Thanks for clicking on this video. I want to give a quick shout out to Wrestling the Alphabet right here. It is an awesome picture book about wrestling. Every letter has a different wrestler on it. Some of them have more than one wrestler on it. It is, wouldn't even say it's just a children's book. It is a book for adults, anybody that can read, anybody that likes wrestling, or anybody that wants to get into the sport of wrestling by finding out some of the wrestling greats. Check them out, www wrestlingthealphabet.com also on social media at wrestling the alphabet they also have an awesome coloring book it's going to keep me busy when i have free time without further ado let's get into this interview what's up stalemates we have a wrestling media icon on the show today i've been using the word goat a lot so i thought i'd switch it up and go with icon and i truly mean it uh when we started doing this show back in april there was one person i was super proud that they followed us in the very beginning well it still is the beginning but when this guy followed us back i was super proud of it andy hamilton what's going on man hey zach how are you good do you like do you like that word icon or no you kind of cringe when i say that <laughs> i think well i mean it, it's an honor um i'm not sure it's uh justified but i'll take it hey a lot worse things to be called than an icon right yeah i'm sure um uh, the reason why I said that is because me being a big wrestling fan, I obviously wrestled back in the day. It wasn't really very good. That's why I spent more time on Twitter than I really was working out. The reason why I brought that up is you, in my mind, started the whole wrestling Twitter live tweeting thing. Um, of course, now every team in the country, whether it's sometimes high school, college, whatever, they have somebody that live tweets the matches as they go on. But I feel like you were the first person, at least in the wrestling world, and maybe maybe I'm not, I don't know how you feel, but you were the first person to kind of do that. Do you recognize that? Well, I think it was before, like, I really got into Twitter. It was Cover It Live. I don't know if you remember the Cover It Live, live chats that they had. And, and uh, it was essentially Twitter. I mean, it was short blasts. You'd, you'd have things on there like polls and very interactive, really cool uh, way that we would, uh, this is when I was at the Iowa City Press Citizen, we would put embed a cover it live code into our website. People would come in and we had a, a thing we called the roll call, which I'd ask, where's everybody logging in from? And there would be people from all over the United States. Time or two, we got some people uh, overseas. Um, but yeah, it was really cool. I mean, we were able to well, memory serves me correct. When that thing was at its peak, I think we had like 45,000 people over the course of three days who were tuned into the NCAA championships back in 2010. And, and so uh, it, it was awesome. It was just a really cool way to connect with the community and, and keep them informed. This was back in the day when, you know, Big Ten Network, I think, was just getting started. There would be some duels that would be on TV, and that, of course, would hurt our audience because people would rather watch it than uh, than tune in and, and listen to me or, like, read my play-by-play -play in real time as it was taking place. But, uh, you know, that was also a monster, too. I remember we created created that thing, and then you had to feed the beast because when you had, like, like I said, upwards of 15,000 per session for an NCAA championships, or per day, I should say, uh, then they demand it. I mean, we grew it to such a level that uh, the, the demand was there and you had to feed it. But I, also, back when I was having to fill the newspaper every day, and so you'd have to disappear and go do interviews. And, and uh, of course, like, you know, people are getting real-time updates, and then all of a sudden there's nothing there for a half hour while you're chasing down updates or writing. 
Um, then, then the natives got restless a little bit, but uh, all in all, it was awesome to connect with uh, people in the community. Um, you know, I would go places and meet people that were in tune with that. And then, of course, I think that was 2010. I think 2011, we started getting more into to live tweeting, um, you know, just because, uh, you know, that's, that seemed to be the direction everything was heading. I, I can't remember the last time I was on one of those Cover It Live things, but I know we started doing that with when I was covering Iowa football, and it just morphed into wrestling, and it was such a natural. It, it performed so much better for wrestling. Uh, than they did for football just because everything was televised. So when you say cover it live, was that like, I kind of briefly remember the days before Twitter where you would log onto a site and it would just be like a live update almost. It was basically like live tweeting, but it was like a, they used to call it like a, maybe like a blog or it was like a feed where, you know, somebody would type out the scores as they were happening. Is that kind of what you're referring to there? Yeah. Yeah. We called it a live blog. It, it had an embed code that we put on, you know, hawkcentral.com back uh, at that point. And so, People would see it. They tune in in real time. They could get updated. I think there was a function where you could plug in scores and and photos and interviews and things like that. It had a lot of functionality to it. Uh, you know, I think Twitter. You know, I don't know when the last time I saw it cover it live. I don't know if they're still in business or not, or if they've kind of gotten phased out by uh, growing social media platforms or not. But uh, back in the day, about ten years ago, it was really cool. Wow. So I totally forgot about all of that. I, I used to do that too. I used to have a. Uh... The wrestling fans nowadays, or these kids nowadays, like they say, right? They don't realize how good that they have it with the flow or a track or whoever, or Big Ten Network on the go. Um, you, they, there's so much more access to actually watch the matches. But back in the day, you maybe had one mat televised, and then everything else was kind of that blog thing. So that's crazy that you brought that up. I, I totally forgot about that. I was more referring to, like, the tweets and stuff. Did you see that becoming a big thing? Cause you were even before like football stuff, like i started following you because I would like want to know what was going on in three a cause I was a two a guy. Um, and you would kind of cover these bigger tournaments. I'm like, wow, that guy lost or this guy lost. Did you, were you the one who kind of spearheaded that? Do you think? I don't know if I spearheaded it, but I, you know, I know, uh, when I was at the Iowa city press citizen, some of, uh, my, colleagues i guess uh in, in other in other newspapers some of the um my peers at the cedar rapids gazette were they were big into twitter mm. at the very beginning i don't remember anybody into twitter before guys like mark morehouse and and mike loss of the gazette and and that's when i started getting into it i'm like i wonder how this fits into the wrestling equation and i didn't understand it at first I mean, it took me i don't know how long i was I think I, I started an account actually um, to get a hold of KJ Pilcher to find out what was going on <laughs> at a high school. I think at a, the MVC tournament in Cedar Rapids and or, or a tournament up in Cedar Rapids just to message him to find out what was going on at, at a tournament. And I think that's where I, I started it. And then it was kind of dormant maybe until the next football season and started getting into it a little bit more then. And I had a little bit better understanding of how it worked. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember the initial days of taking it over to wrestling, but I know there, you know, I think it was that 2011 season, 2010, 2011 season where I started getting into it a little bit more, but to your point, yeah, absolutely. Like the kids nowadays, they don't understand how good they have it. I mean, yeah. back when I was a teenager and in my twenties, I think, you know, back to the days where we were lucky if, uh, 
wide world of sports on ABC if they would carve out like a half hour for wrestling for the NCAA championships and they'd show it a month later and you'd see maybe a period of, of one match. Right. And, and so that was the extent of it. I, I think back to like the Olympics. I mean, think about uh, Satyev when he was making his run, winning all the Olympic golds, we were lucky if we saw him once every four years. And now, you know, I go back to our first year when uh, track wrestling, when we owned the United world wrestling live streaming rights, I mean, a guy like uh, Petrus Vili, the, the heavyweight champion of the world, we caught him at U23 euros, senior euros, U23 worlds and in senior worlds. We had, and, and then the world cup, I think we had 20 matches of him just from 2017 or thereabouts. So, you know, back in the day when you, you were lucky if, if you got to see the top guys in college wrestling on Iowa public television once or twice a year, aside from the Hawkeyes and Cyclones and Panthers. Uh, but nowadays, I mean, boy, almost everything is live streamed or on television. It's an awesome time to be fa- be a fan. So I, I remember, I remember, you know, you know, I was always logged into your Twitter, like, and I, I even told you on the phone the other night that I was, I used to chirp you a little bit and, <laughs> and, you, and you, yeah, I don't know. You, I don't know how you didn't, you dealt with it perfectly. You put me right in my place. Um, and then I remember, you know, one time you were at Wells Fargo, I believe it, I can't remember if it was D ones or if it was, uh, I think it was probably a high school state tournament, Iowa high school state tournament. And you were walking. I remember like nudging my mom, like that's Andy Hamilton. Cause she's big into the wrestling game too. And she yelled, Andy Hamilton. And you looked up like scared, like what the heck is going on? Uh, did you, have you ever like, like in, in, in the state of Iowa, I guess wrestling is such a big sport kind of thing do you get recognized a lot or no mm, time to time i yeah. mean i i'm not out in the you know in the venues maybe in it in iowa as much as i used to be but uh yeah i think it's the great part is uh the community's so tight right yeah and so people start to notice you a little bit more i mean imagine you're probably feeling that a little bit aren't you uh un- yeah but not not in like the best way sometimes but yeah actually I, w- I will say the other day um somebody walked by and said stalemates and i did not i did not know how to how to react to it i was like thank you i didn't like he didn't say anything good or bad i was just like thank you like i, I just like it was really weird uh to feel that but you you came from like the newspaper days you know so you you were at the Des Moines restaurant for wh- five years something like that yeah. and, I, and i had probably longer history before that and then you know all of a sudden you switch to track wrestling why did you switch from like the newspaper game over to like now you're are you the content director at track wrestling now yeah so, yep. so um, why the switch yeah so I mean, long story short, I had an opportunity back in 2008 that I, I turned down another uh, website in wrestling that, uh, you know, would have required me to move out to Pennsylvania and it just wasn't good timing at, at that point in my life. And, you know, I felt like it was a move that I wanted to make at some point to get into wrestling full time. And just the timing circumstances really didn't work out then. And I went back um, to my I went back to Press Citizen. And a couple of days later, we went through a round of layoffs and I knew things were going to get a little choppy in the newspaper industry. There was going to be some turbulence. And it was like two days later that we went through a round of layoffs. And then we went through, you know, several rounds of layoffs after that and saw a lot of good people, a lot of really talented and skilled workers lose their jobs in the, in the journalism business over the course of the following eight years. And 
you know, getting stretched more and more and, and getting pulled in directions of where I was having to do, getting to do less of what I really love, which is covering wrestling. And, and, um, just felt like, um, kind of becoming maybe mediocre at a lot of stuff rather than really good at, at one or two or three things. And, and, uh, you know, I remember my last year at the register, I think, you know, we, I covered the Rose bowl, got, got in on the end of the Iowa football, big 10 championship run, um, in 2015 and then covered the 2016 Rose bowl. And then we were into recruiting and, and, uh, I don't think I really jumped into high school wrestling until after signing day and felt like two weeks trying to, to do setup coverage for the state tournament. It really wasn't, uh, um, the kind of the level of coverage that I wanted to produce. And, and so, uh, I knew then it was probably a little bit time for, for a change. And, and there was just some opportunities that popped up in 2016. There were some things that opened my eyes a little bit. And then uh, looking at some other opportunities, this one kind of came out of nowhere. And, and uh, Justin Tritz, I'd never had any conversation with him before, founder and uh, former general manager of track wrestling. And, and I you know, just used track wrestling extensively during the wrestling season. And, and he pitched this vision to me. They had just been purchased by sports engine. In fact, Justin, first time he called me, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I totally see where he's going with this thing and got off the phone, did a little more research with, uh, of sports engine. And like right away, I, I was like, man, that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. And I think it just evolved over the course of about a week or 10 days from, from that first phone call to accepting the job. And man, it's been awesome. It's been a dream so far. I mean, I, I'd never been out of the United States until 2017. I think the last three years I've been to like 16 countries and, and covered nine world championships and, and it's 24, seven, 365 wrestling where, uh, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to worry about uh, all the other stuff. It's it's being able to sink your teeth into a sport that you really love. It's really cool. You don't have to worry about people like me chirping you when you when you when you tweet and stuff. Yeah, that's um, all good. <laughs> uh, what do you what do you see like um, the landscape of this media stuff? Because you know the flow stuff, the Rockfin, and then now track. Are you guys at track switching from? And maybe you'll cringe when I say this, but when I think of track and I don't know if most people will, when they think of track, they think brackets, you know, updated scores, you know, keeping up with matches. Are you guys switching to more of like a content based site and keeping, keeping going the, the brackets and stuff, or are you trying to go to more like, you know, on camera live streaming events? I know you guys have live streaming events for a long time, but this Hawkeye wrestling club showdown feels a little bit differently. Are you guys going more that direction? Well, I would say this, like, you know, I, Feel like we kind of went that you know we went that direction in 2016 when you know we owned by sports engine they launched the media platform the site went through a little bit of a redesign um yeah i mean we went to more of a full scale full service type of operation then i would say uh in terms of what we're doing on the live streaming front i mean we streamed upwards of 700 events last year. I mean, I think it was like 707 or something like that. I think over the course of the last three years, it's like 1700. So it's until COVID we were, we were ramping upward in terms of the number of events that, that we streamed each year. Of course, that'll take a, a step back this year due to COVID, but uh, 
Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in the streaming game and I, I think that, uh, you know, we got a lot, a lot of, uh, bright people on our team, a lot of awesome people working on our team. And I think, uh, we'll probably look at, uh, the landscape and, and see what's, what's out there and, and continue to do what's best for our business. But, um, in terms of this, yeah, maybe it feels a little bit different, but we, you know, we've owned the United world wrestling rights for this Olympic quad. We, streamed uh the, the awl event in cedar rapids a, a couple years ago and then uh uh you know i think what close to 50 state tournaments each of the last couple years and so a lot of big events that we we have streamed this one feels a little bit different but uh certainly i i think that our people are open to you know all opportunities and and we were a, a user-based platform to you know service provider that allows people to run tournaments and stream events and things like that and so uh, yeah we're certainly open to those those discussions i don't think i'm speaking out of school by saying that yeah yeah november 1st hawkeye wrestling club showdown just want to plug it real quick um stream it on on uh track wrestling and there's no confusion on who you subscribe on or nothing like that you just hit subscribe uh you just buy it 30 bucks track wrestling um when the when i feel like it was what is when the nittany line wrestling club picked Brock Finn and they did that things kind of like the do barn doors almost busted open where like all these different clubs were trying to find you know we're now we're doing this we're doing that is that what happened with you guys and the Hawkeyes or was it like that just was already in the works a while back and now just kind of the timing worked out yeah I, I think it was it was in the works prior to that announcement of of that event that you're referring to I think probably the maybe the tipping point for all this would be the rumble on the rooftop where people started getting the, the itch to compete again and have events and, and uh, you know, do it in a, a safe manner, you know? So I, I think, uh, you know, when they approached us, certainly we were, we were interested from the get go and um, really looking forward to this event coming up on the first. Why, um, why the pay-per-view model instead of the subscription model? I know that track wrestling does or used to have like a, monthly subscription thing but why the one-time pay-per-view thing which i'll I'm, I'm a fan of that i've been calling that for the sport for a long time i'm a big ufc fan i i like that model um but why why that model instead of the monthly thing yeah i mean uh, a lot goes back to you know the user experience right i mean the 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 you know partner that we're dealing with and and you know their their choices in this um as i mentioned we're we're a user base platform where you know people can come to us run their events run you know live stream their events and uh uh you know anytime that uh, we can elevate the the sport you know in our business we're going to always pursue those things so you know i think it's a little bit of uh you know partnership with with us in the hawkeye wrestling club on a deal like this i mean certainly uh you know looking to to help them as well i mean do what uh they they feel is is best in terms of uh you know getting this event out there and and also uh returning revenue to, to help fund their efforts you know from a fundraising standpoint what's it like working with the tom brands on like the, on a, like a business side of things i like it i enjoy it i mean tom and i go back like 20 years and uh you know it's it's cut to the chase there's not much him and han around it's uh pretty uh pretty black and white with where he stands. And, and uh, the thing I always appreciate about Tom and everything he does is, 
you know, he seeks a lot of input from people and, and listens to people and weighs his options and, and then makes a decision. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I like that answer. I want to go back to the Twitter stuff. I missed a question that I want to ask you. You and I talked on the phone the other day and you had a good story about when you first started doing the live tweeting thing and kind of announcing things via Twitter, um, you had this kind of, uh, let's say miscommunication with Tom when it came to announcing a lineup. Uh, can you go ahead and tell that story? Yeah. So this goes back to the beginning of our, our conversation here. Like I mentioned, there was a, kind of this watershed between 2010 and 2011 where a lot of stuff changed. I mean, it's especially covering the Hawkeyes. Like you go from the championship team of 2010, where you got, I think like eight, nine seniors in the lineup and then um, a whole new lineup, except McDonough in 2011, they moved out of Carver and over to the field house uh, for one year while Carver was getting renovated. And then, you know, on my end, I stopped doing the cover at live, started doing more live tweeting. And I remember playing as day, I was down in uh, Tempe, Arizona, covering the insight bowl day of the game, writing a Midlands preview and asked, you know, Tom about his lineup and scoring lineup. And, you know, there were people like, like I mentioned, we, gen we, we formed this community where people were engaging and had questions and started taking that to Twitter. And, and so they started asking me questions on Twitter. And, and I remember interviewing Tom, he's on his bus, on the bus to Midlands. And, and, uh, you know, I tweeted, I asked him, what's the, the scoring lineup for the Midlands? And, and, uh, we put it out there, put some news out there and he hadn't, I don't think maybe, um, briefed the team yet on it or, or, um, things of that nature. And, and, uh, so I get a call from him a little bit later, like, you know, him thinking that I had called guys on their, on the bus and was interviewing guys on the bus about, um, you know, Hey, why aren't you in the scoring lineup? And it wasn't a deal like that. I think what happened was a parent saw it on Twitter and messaged a kid. And, and so it was, you know, it was a learning lesson for me. And, and, uh, I don't think Tom had even heard of Twitter at that point. I think that was probably the, his introduction to Twitter. Yeah. Just from, I don't know you really at all. We never really met in person, but just from talking with you on the phone and just, you know, following you from afar from, for a long time now, that seems like the last thing that an Andy Hamilton would do was reach out to a wrestler and be like, Hey, you know, kind of stirring the pot, like, why aren't you on the card? And it's kind of seeing where that plays out. So like hearing that to me, I chalk it up to like Tom probably not knowing how Twitter worked at that time period. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was in its infancy. I think at that point for a lot of people, I mean, I, like I said, I don't think I, that, that would have been December of, of 2011, if I'm not mistaken. And, and, uh, maybe December of 2010 and uh yeah it would have been December of 2010 and and I was only like a couple months into using it at that point and so really wasn't using it extensively I think that was probably probably one of my first 100 tweets if I had to guess but uh yeah, that was uh, that was a learning experience for for sure. How does it work? I've always wanted to know this. How does it work when a kid says, "Hey, Andy, I'm I'm committing here," or a coach says, "Hey, Andy, I want this to go out." Do you, as soon as you get it, it, it goes up or is it like, okay, let me know when I should post it. Like, are you worried at all that somebody else might get to it or how does that, how does that usually work, play out? Yeah. I mean, there's some interesting uh, discussions that take place on that in, in terms of, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know that it's ever really worth, you know, I'll say that it's not worth damaging a relationship to be first on something. I, I don't think, I mean, especially as fast as things move now. I mean, it, it used to be, you know, when I started in this, 
if you got beat on a story, you were beat for 24 hours. Mm. You know, it used to be, if you missed the deadline for that day's newspaper and somebody else had something you didn't, you were, you were sitting there thinking about the next thinking thinking about it for the next probably 12 hours. Like, how can I advance the story at this point? How can I get back in front of this? Now, if you get beat on something, you're beat by like five minutes, everybody has it. And um, there aren't too many surprises. Like I said, community is really tight. Nothing stays secret for too long. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, there, I've never really felt like um, it was all, all worth it all that much, you know, to damage relationships, just, uh, you know, just to be first on a story. Like, was, is there uh, any, is there any know, stories that come to mind back in the newspaper days um, that you were like, dang it, I had that. And that guy got it. Was there, was there ever one, was there ever a specific story? Well, um, not so much. Yeah, I'm sure there are, there aren't any that come to mind like right away where, you know, you feel like you got, you got caught with your pants down or something like that. But I do know, like when there was a, you know, the coaching change at Iowa, uh, back in 06, um, you know, knowing that, that, you know, that decision had been made like five minutes after, you know, they let Jim Zaleski go. I was in Carver Hawkeye arena and, and, uh, you know, our editors weren't comfortable with running it at the time. And, and nowadays I think probably, you know, the sourcing that I had then and, and seeing what I saw, I think they would have been more comfortable running the story that, that I was making a coaching change. Um, so that, that's one that, that comes to mind right away. It was just a, a, you know, whirlwind of, and that was a wild day. I think that was the day that, uh, you know, Iowa announced that and, Boy, I think it was like two hours later that that Iowa State announced that Bobby Douglas was stepping down. Kale was going to be the head coach. A um, little bit long, you know. I think maybe a, a day or two later, Ohio State announced Tom Ryan as the head coach. It was probably the wildest off season in college wrestling that I can ever remember. Would you rather be first to break something, or would you rather have like the story down the road that's kind of like more thought out and and like something you're more proud of, maybe? I would rather be both. I'd rather be first accurate and most thorough. That's the best case scenario. I would, uh, but I've always said I would rather, I'd rather be second than wrong. Okay. Well, I would, I want to be the guy who confirms the story. So, you know, I don't know if you see that nowadays, but sometimes a story comes out and then it'll be like confirmed by CBS sports. You know, I'm a stalemates. We're just going to confirm things. I'm not trying to, there you go. it's a good place to be, right? Yeah. we got to, we got to try to find our niche here. Uh, before we wrap this up here, I like to keep these things pretty brief. Uh, make sure. sure I didn't miss any of my questions here. Who's your favorite wrestling writer of all time? Hmm. That's a good question. I got him. I got him. I'm stumped <laughs> on this one. Who's, I'll tell you what, there are, there are tons of people I, I, I read and respect. And, and uh, you know, I don't know much about the guy. I'm trying to learn more, you know, as I – um, at, at some point in time, I'm going to ask John Smith and some of, some of the people down in Oklahoma more about Bob Dellinger and, uh, you know, understand what, what he did. I mean, he's got his name, you know, name on an award. I think that's pretty cool to have your name on a, on a journalism award as a writer and some of the things that, that he did. I, I think one of the guys that, um, that I really admired a lot, probably, you know, my all time favorite person that I've met in wrestling journalism. Um, and there are a ton of them, but, but Reed Hanley was awesome to me. And, and he grew up in Mount Vernon 
worked for the Chicago Tribune. And so when I'm getting started, it's, you know, there's nothing bigger to me than the Chicago Tribune. And he never big time me once. He was so helpful to me. If I wrote something that that he appreciated, I would get an email from Reed. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And and that guy, he was salt of the earth and and just like everything that you, you know, you want to be. You want to treat people well. You don't want to take yourself too seriously. You don't want to act bigger than than you really are. And and uh, man, he he embodied everything that uh, that I strive to be. Okay. Well, next next one here. Just gonna you know these are kind of just boom boom boom. Favorite wrestling event to cover? World Championships. No why? doubt. Why is that? Well, let me rewind. Let me rewind. I, I tell you, um, up until I took this job, I would say hands down the Iowa State tournament. There's nothing. There is nothing like it. Yes. And the, the passion, the community support. Um, it's just, you know, there's so much community pride and so much um, energy and enthusiasm. And back in the day when that thing was in Vets Auditorium, it, it was a free-for-all. I mean, it, it was like a backyard brawl where people would come through that crowd and be surrounded by all their friends and family right there by the mat. Um, when I went to 2015 to Vegas in 2015 to cover the world championships for the first time, I thought that was the coolest thing on earth. And they had it at the Orleans in Vegas and all the athletes are there, you know, you're eating around them in the, in the cafeteria and riding the elevators with them. And it, it's up close and personal. It really opened my eyes. I, you know, I always felt like, um, if you go to a major league baseball game, you don't feel how good those guys are just by watching them on TV. You don't understand how good they are, but you're in the stands, you're seeing those guys hit uh 200 foot line drives before they bounce or, or throwing the ball in from the outfield at 95 plus And it's right field, the third base on the fly. Like then you get a better understanding of how good these guys really are. And that's what it was like for me at the world championships in 2015 watching. I think, the heavyweight semifinals and men's freestyle were, were sub minute tech falls. And, you know, these are guys that are, you know, six foot four, six, five, 260 pounds. And, and if they're growing up in the United States, they're probably playing defensive end or linebacker or tight end in the NFL one day, but uh, um, just gave me a whole deeper appreciation for the level of skill at the world at the world level seeing that up close and in person and, and i love i love the world championships okay last one here what's the most mad any either wrestler or coach has or a parent maybe that's ever gotten mad at you what's the what's the worst one? Oh boy is there one yeah i i don't know which i'd put at the top i know tom has gotten upset with me a time or two um we've had some some go rounds that have been been interesting i had a i i tell you what i had a football coach high school football coach who got really upset with me my first week at the register and and it's like you know what, let's talk let's talk it out yeah. you know and and i'm here to to hear I, I am here to answer any questions you have or listen to what you got to say let's talk it out and you know, it was over and done with. We had a great relationship after that. I think that's been the key part is to me, I think, you know, you're going to have, you're going to write things that people disagree with. Um, you're going to have people that, that do things that you don't agree with. And the important thing to me is like, just, you know, settling it. So it doesn't linger. It doesn't fester. It doesn't go, you know, on for five years that it's, 
hey, let's figure this thing out. Let's come to a resolution. Let's move on and, and let's have a productive working relationship. And so that's that's been the important thing for me is that uh, nobody's um, leaving a hatchet unburied. Does that happen though, where sometimes, you know, you make somebody mad and then all of a sudden that, that like pipeline is cut off. Does that not, maybe not to you, but does that happen to other people? I, I'm, I suspect it does. I, I, you know, I, I imagine it does. I think of, of probably some instances where, it, where it has, and probably the, the main thing is, is not, uh, not facing the music really. I mean, you know, like, like I said, you're going to write stuff that, that upsets people. You're going to do some things that they're going to upset some people. And that just, you know, it comes with the territory. The important part is, I, I think, is keeping that line of communication open and, and explaining where you're coming from, and and uh, hearing where they're coming from. Trying to get a, a you know a, a deeper appreciation of of why they're upset, and and then uh, you know seeing if you can come to some sort of some sort of common ground on it. Where the you know, things that you know, I try to say up front with the people that I cover. And I don't do this with everybody anymore, but, uh, you know, back in the day when you're only dealing with uh, a handful of coaches on a regular basis, um, I would always try to say, listen, if you ever have a problem with anything I write, call me. I want to hear it right away. I don't want this to like linger on. And, and then I find out five years from now, you've been upset with me for something that I wrote five years ago that we could have gotten into the open and, and just hashed it out and settled you know, and, and maybe I need to do a, to apologize for something, or maybe, um, they just needed to understand where I was coming from too. So I, I think communication is key. Okay. I like it. Perfect answers. Um, November 1st, Hawkeye wrestling club showdown on track wrestling. Uh, if you don't already, which you should be following this guy at Andy underscore Hamilton on Twitter, uh, anything else you want to shout out before we wrap this up? No, man, I just, uh, I love what you're doing, Zach. I think it's fresh. I think it's innovative. I think it's funny. It's it's good content. Keep up the good work, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Uh, check this guy out. Check out that event. All right, stalemates. In this next and final segment of the podcast, we have our weekly tea recap with our host. He covers a range of topics. Give it a listen and enjoy. Stalemates, what's up? It's been a little bit. Dropped an episode this morning. Today we have a bunch of Twitter T topics, a bunch of random. I wouldn't even say this is like really basically Twitter stuff. This is a lot of just random news and whatnot throughout the wrestling world from the past week or so. This is kind of going to be the future of this show. So if you guys saw last week, we announced that we finally are on Apple and Spotify and whatever else we're on every, I think, platform. I'm not exactly sure. I don't actually handle that part. But we'll do the interviews that we do, that we've been doing. And then a lot of you guys like the stuff where it's just me kind of ranting in front of the camera. We're going to be doing that. Obviously, I'm doing that right now. So the structure of the future show that we're going to have, and eventually during the college season, I believe it's going to be live. We ordered a bunch of equipment to make sure that um, everything's smooth, a lot of different camera angles and different guests. I don't want to reveal the name of the show but it'll be coming soon. We're trying to practice it, get the kinks out. But the point of this thing is trying to give out the structure of the show. So the beginning will be kind of like this monologue thing. I talk about different wrestling news that's happening. And then an interview. And then at the end, we'll have, you know, the callers and everything else that we're trying to do. So I just wanted to say 
It's coming soon. Hopefully this college season happens. That's when things are really going to start to kick into gear. But until then, we'll keep rocking the YouTube stuff, the videos, the podcasts, everything that we're doing. Thank you guys for watching. Let's get right into it. Let's go. But first, I want to give a shout out to Big Bloom Coffee Roaster. You see it right there? Something like that. Buddy of mine, Dylan from Iowa City, got this thing going. He is a coffee connoisseur, whatever you want to say. He's a coffee expert. He started roasting his own beans. He's been obsessed with coffee for as long as I've known him. And he sent me some of this stuff. I'm drinking it today. It is fantastic. Hope you guys can check it out. If you go to their Instagram, it is at Big Bloom Coffee. Check them out. It's amazing. If you love coffee, you love wrestling, if you love either one of those things, check them out. They're going to have a website up soon. But for now, just follow them on Instagram for any updates. Big Bloom Coffee Roasters. Big Bloom Coffee on Instagram. All right. Let's get into the topics. Let's start off with Fresno State Wrestling getting cut. You hate to see it. I feel like we do this every freaking month now where we get on Twitter, we get online, and next thing you know, some program is announcing that they're no longer going to have wrestling. It's the same song and dance every single time. We try to figure out why. We try to figure out how. We try to save them, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. This one, though, you just kind of got to chalk up to bad timing. You know, with COVID, this program's only been around a few years now. I've had the opportunity to watch them Several times they wrestle Iowa State since they're in the Big 12, and uh, they're exciting to watch. Actually, I think it was last year, Iowa State had their dual meet at Fresno State, and if I remember correctly, this place was popping. They had tons of people in the crowd. They had tons of uh, music. They had a lot of energy. It seems like it was going in the right direction, but when COVID happened, you know, programs lost a lot of money. So what do you do? You kind of cut the low man on the totem pole, and that seems to be what happened. You know, these guys had a lot of potential. You know, great coach, California. It's beautiful out there. A lot of good high school athletes in California. A lot of good in-state recruiting. They had current good athletes there. A lot of national qualifiers there. Good coaching staff, everything, everything, whatever. But sometimes things don't always work out in your favor, and I don't know what the what the resolution is to that. Some people are saying, you know, we need to stop being more reliant on the NCAA and go towards more of a independent route, like a UFC or Bellator or whatever. I don't know. I have no idea. I was listening to another podcast out there um, or show, whatever you want to say, and there is somebody on there that was trying to blame strippers. I'll tell you one thing, it wasn't strippers. Strippers have never hurt nobody. Okay, we can't blame a whole Division One wrestling program getting axed because some wrestlers decided to enjoy some um, bad wrestling takes Twitter account when when you need them. But I don't know. I don't know the I don't know the answer to this one. You know, there's much smarter people than me, much more smarter people than myself that could tell you the intricacies of how this stuff works and Title Nine and COVID and da 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 all the boring stuff. All I know is I'm sad to see this happen. They're a great addition to the Big 12. I try to go to as many Iowa State dual meets as I can. Fresno State was one that I've been wanting to go to for a long time now. Anywhere that we can go where there's warmer weather than the Midwest, I'm down to go visit. Bum that that can't happen right now. Maybe they'll bring the program back in the future. 
I would love to see that. But for now, it sucks. Next topic. Donald Trump awards Dan Gable the Presidential Medal of Freedom. This one was one of those things where you love sports, you hate politics. Sometimes they do this where they kind of come together and you get wrestling Twitter and political Twitter into one and it sucks. I want to preface this by saying I am the last guy that you should ever take political advice from. I'm the last guy that you would want to talk to about this stuff. And I'm going to keep it that way. But what I will say, and you can criticize me all you want for saying this, but let's give Dan Gable his roses, okay? So many times people die and then, you know, you say all these nice things about them. And I'm a fan of telling people the awesome stuff while, we, while you got them, while they're in front of you. And after all these things that Dan Gable's been through in his life, he gets this awesome award regarding politics. It doesn't matter who gives you the award. I know some people like the president. Some people hate the president. I totally understand that. I'm totally aware of that. I work in a barbershop. This stuff gets brought up all the time. But let's not take it out on Dan Gable. If he wants to accept the award, which he did, or is going to, I don't think it's happened yet, let him do that. The guy's been such a great ambassador to our sport for however long, still is. Nothing but respect to Dan Gable. He's on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling greats. Let's let him do it. Who cares? If he wanted to reject it, let him do that. Who cares? Let Dan Gable do whatever the he wants to do. Today, the Willie Trials. Willie Watch coming right at you. Happened again. Now, there's been... A few different times where the Willie Trials has had these kind of hearing things and people are asking for a recap and this and that. I don't actually think that there's enough here to actually do a breakdown that would be entertaining in any sort of way. I've watched them all, almost all of them. Okay, the first two when I did the videos on, on day one and day two, that was actually really interesting. And I watched the entire thing several times so I could get everything down. But for now... They're kind of battling about what could be used in the case, in the actual trial. The trial isn't for two weeks till now. And so a lot of this stuff is kind of legal jargon, like semantics that is super confusing to myself, who I'm the first to tell you I'm not a legal expert. Shout out to Karen Flo, Flo legal. But I don't think this is really entertaining enough to do a recap. I'm touching on it here a little bit. They were talking about something with legal fees and different other cases and court costs. The only thing that was kind of interesting was there's an exhibit or some sort of evidence that they want to use, but Flo doesn't want it to be public because it's streamed on YouTube because it's a trade secret. And Judge Livingston is trying to tell them in order for Willie to defend himself, he has to know what that trade secret is because you can't accuse him of something if you can't actually say what it is. But Flo and their legal team doesn't want to say it out loud because in the public, i.e. myself and you guys, would find out what these so-called trade secrets are. And so there's this weird kind of Mexican standoff where Judge Livingston's saying, we can use this exhibit, but you're going to have to tell us the intricacies of it. And Flo's saying, well... We want to use this exhibit, but we don't want to tell the whole world what these things are because it's kind of a trade secret. 
I really hope that they end up saying what the trade secrets are because that's what fascinates myself. I think that's what fascinates a lot of wrestling fans or my audience or whatever you want to say. So we'll see what happens with that. They're still kind of working that out, I believe. I didn't get to catch all of it because it was super boring. So you guys didn't miss much. In a couple weeks, we'll find out what actually happens, but we'll stay tuned for that. Last thing here, NLWC event tonight on Rockfin. Make sure you subscribe to the NLWC channel so they get paid all their dollars. However, if you don't do it, tweet about it so Kale will call you out. I'd love to see that. Thanks for watching. Stay tuned. Comment, like, subscribe. Thank you to everybody who's bought the merch. We ship out every week the merch. You should get it. If you have any questions, please let me know. And if you ever have any thoughts or something that you want to say to the show, call and leave a voicemail or leave a voice clip or send us a text message to 515-412-4269. That's 515-412-4269. You never know. You might get a free shirt. Oh, before we go, Dungate. We are putting out our first documentary on who sent Pat Minio elephant dung. Did Flo do it? Did somebody else do it? Did we do it? Did you do it? Who knows? We're covering it. We're getting to the bottom of it. I believe it's going to drop this weekend if we can get everything done in time. I am getting married this weekend, so if we don't get it done, lay off. I'm trying as hard as I can. Tyler's flying in from Colorado. We're going to try to finish it. Thank you for watching.